What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Metallica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shields. Here the weekend of Saturday, October the 3rd, the year 2020. Welcome you into the month of October. Got a jam-packed show for you today. Talk Major League Baseball postseason. Got lots of stuff to get on board with that as far as baseball is concerned. Talk uh, NBA Finals as the Lakers have a 2 to nothing series lead over the Miami Heat. And of course, everything that went on in the National Football League. We will have a YouTuber host of That's Good Sports and That's Good Broncos, Brandon Perna, on the program later on but first things first and also as a matter of fact on this day uh six years ago the famous Doman young uh bases clearing double and i will play that uh the call from joe angel uh the great oriole radio play-by-play broadcaster later on in the program but first things first speaking of baseball and playoff baseball things of those of that nature let's open the program up with some baseball shall we um I go down here. I'll go down a list here as far as what I got from the wild card series is concerned. Um, first off, I was into the games. You know, games all day long. Uh, you know, I was so I was into it on all the. You know, it had the Tampa Bay and the Toronto series was on TBS, but all the rest of them were on ESPN, which I enjoyed. Um, got a huge kick out of all of them. You know, I pretty much I had it on. Uh, had all the games on on computer, iPad, you know, TV, you name it. So I was into it. Sixteen teams is way too many. Uh, Sixteen teams is way too many. Uh, so you know, I am fine. What did he got? Ten teams in the playoffs. You got the three. You got the uh, the the six division winners. And then you got four wild card teams. They should, I think, if they want to expand it, they should expand it to twelve teams. Uh, expand it from ten to twelve. Sixteen's way too many. Well, we don't need teams at seventy nine and what seventy nine and uh, eighty one. If if that math is correct, seventy nine. No, seventy nine and eighty three. Making the postseason, we don't we don't need team over 162 games, you know, six months and about half of your league makes the postseason. We don't need that. But 12 teams, if they want to expand it to 12 teams, I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, and the three games and a three game wild card series should stick. Uh, you know the same how we have regular season. We typically play best of, you know a best of three series throughout the regular season. First to win two out of three wins the series. So if they so I like the wild card series. When you win two out of the three, you win the series. You know which makes the first game of the series all the more important because if the if the team that loses uh, the first if the team that loses the f- game number one they have their backs against the wall for game two because if they lose game two they're out. So I take that just as an overview of the entire wild card series. Um, to get into the big details, okay, the Houston, and we'll get to the Twins in a minute, but the Houston Astros have a lot of nerve, uh, pumping up their chest and, uh, you know, and doing the old, uh, the Matthew McConaughey from Wolf of Wall Street, the, mm-hmm. sorry, I, I sort of, uh, shook the microphone, but the old, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. 
They got a lot of nerve to do that. Uh, Carlos Correa especially pumping up their chest well, with this we'll show you and we don't care about the haters and we don't give a crap about this. We don't give a crap about that. We'll show you. Look at us. Big bad Astros advancing the LDS. Well, first off, Houston, if the playoffs, if we had a regular seat, if if we didn't ha- if we had the re- if in a 6 in a 60 game MLB season and we had the regular 60 game and we excuse me and we had the regular playoff format from from past years you wouldn't have made the postseason that's item number 1 item number 2 what you expect us to give you we ex- you expect to take bows and for us to throw bouquets at throw bouquets at you all because you beat the Minnesota Twins who've lost 18 straight playoff games in a row and have not won a postseason and have not won a postseason series since the 2002 ALDS against the Oakland A's and we'll get to them trust me I will get to the twins in a minute but y'all honestly want want us to throw bouquets and y'all really going to sit up here and try to take bows of beating a Minnesota Twins team that that for the last 18 years and the amount of times that they've made the postseason since 2002 who has been practically inept in the postseason again 18 straight games lost by the Minnesota Twins and the and Carlos Correa and everyone else wants to take bows and say, "Look at us! We'll show you guys!" And wants to be cocky and start feeling themselves because they beat the Minnesota Twins. Are you kidding me? You know, you know, you know when Correa and you and Correa Griel, you know when you guys can take bows and say, "Look at us! We'll prove the haters wrong." You know when you can when you guys can do that. Win the pennant. Win the pennant, and you know what? Win the World Series. Win the World Series. Beat the Dodgers. Beat the Padres. Beat the Yankees. Beat the Rays. Whoever you play. Win the World Series. You want me, you want me to earn your respect back as best you possibly can? Win the World Series. You beating a best of three, best two out of three wild card series against the Minnesota Twins, who again never do a thing in the postseason. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Because you taking two or three from the Twinkies means nothing if you get ambushed by the, by the Oakland A's. Correa, shut up. Please, shut up. Speaking of the Twins, boy, are they inept. And boy, boy they are an absolute joke and an absolute disgrace. You know, for, for a team that won over 100 games in 2019... That had one of the bet that had one of the uh, you know that had one of the best records in all of uh, in all in all of baseball um, in the last couple of seasons. You know this team is is very 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 underwhelming, very underwhelming. This team, let's see, who won their division by the way, who won their division with a record of thirty six and twenty four. They won. They won the division by one game. The Indians and the White Sox were behind them by one game. Um, one did who went thirty six and twenty four, and they have a three. It will they right off the bat they had two playoff games against a Houston Astros team in turn that and I read you the stats on I think it was Tuesday on Wednesday show. I read you that I read you the Astros record away from Minute Maid. They won a collecting 
nine games away from Minute Maid with a 29-31 and record in the second place in the AL West and lost the division to the A's by seven games. And this team did nothing but lay a complete big fat egg in their wildcard series against the Houston Astros. I, and, and, and they're not throwing, you know, Justin Verlander's hurt, and they're not throwing uh, Nolan Ryan at you. And the, best that, and the best that these Muppets could come up with, in all honesty, in a wildcard series where they're the home team, is, is this abysmal performance against the Astros? I mean, are you kidding me? Where the combined runs that they scored in the series were two runs. They scored two runs and only manufactured seven hits in the series. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, uh, Minnesota? Really? Combined for two runs and seven hits? Really? And it's not like that. And again, it's not like that the uh, that they were that Dusty Baker a that he's a the a that he's great at managing games in the postseason. But it's not like that they were throwing in they weren't throwing Dallas Keuchel and Justin Verlander at you. They were throwing you Zach Greinke in Game One, and then in Game Two they threw um who did they throw? In Game Two they threw uh. They threw, uh, they threw this Urquetti guy. Who, what? Yeah, they went four in the third, gave up two hits, one run, walked two batters, and struck out three. Zeg Grinky and a U- and Urequity, Jose Urequity, whatever his name is. They they threw those guys at you, not Keuchel and and Verlander or Verlander and Garrett Cole. Zach Grinky and a guy that nobody's ever heard of. Okay, and Dusty Baker and Dusty Baker is not Miller Huggins. He is not. Dusty Baker has made a living of stinking up the joint in postseason play with the manager, whether it's with the Giants, whether it's with the whether it's with the Cubs, whether it's with uh, the Nationals a couple of years ago when they lost to the Cubs, whether it's with the Reds, whatever it might be. Dusty Baker is just not a. He's a snake bitten manager when it comes to to winning series and doing and putting his team in the best position to win in the postseason and the. Minnesota Twins since the 2002 ALDS when George Shirley was five months old, if that, against the Oakland A's, this team has done absolutely nothing, nothing in the postseason. They lost in 2003, 2004, 2009, 2010, 2017, 2019 to the New York Yankees. 17, a wild card game, and in 2019, 10, 2019, 10, 9, four and three of those years, they've lost to the New York Yankees in the opening round of the postseason. And lost to the wildcard game against the Yankees when they had a phenomenal first inning and then they let it go down the drain because the Yankees bats woke up and punched the and punched the uh the twins in the proverbial mouth and won the game eight to four. And then they lost to the A's in the 2006 ALDS. This is a team that has not won a postseason game since it has not won a postseason game since 2004. They have lost 18 postseason baseball games in a row. They have not won a postseason game since 2004 against the Yankees. They have not won a postseason series since 2002 against the A's. They've lost 18 straight postseason games in a row. Have had, for the most part, phenomenal. Have had, for the most part, phenomenal, impressive 
impressive regular seasons. They've gone. Let me read. Let me read you their. Um, let me read you. Let me read you their numbers. The last couple of years, they won a division at thirty-six and twenty-four this past season with a six hundred winning percentage. Last season, they won one hundred and one games. The season before, the season before that, they missed the playoffs when seventy-eight and eighty-four. The the time previous to that, when they made the postseason, they won eighty-five games. Was a wild card team. This team never, ever, 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 ever does a thing in the postseason. And it is an absolute disgrace, and it is an absolute joke and a travesty that the Minnesota Twins cannot deliver the goods in the month of October. Again, one more time, they have not won a postseason series since the 2002 ALDS against the Oakland A's team that that had that historic winning streak with Scott Hedyberg, Moneyball, home nine yards, and then they have not won a postseason game since 2004 ALDS against the New York Yankees. They've lost every single postseason series, including the 17 wildcard game against the Yankees, since. They lose more close. They lose more playoff games than anybody in the history of the sport. Uh, they've and they've lost and they didn't even play. And they didn't have to play the Yankees. And they still lost. So the Minnesota Twins, what what a they becoming? You know who the Minnesota Twins are becoming like? The Cincinnati Bengals, Major League Baseball. Nationals won the postseason series, got off the Schneid. The A's got off the Schneid, beating the White Sox. You know, you know who's the Cincinnati Bengals of Major League Baseball besides the Reds, of course, who also once again lost another postseason series. But outside of the Reds, you know who the Cincinnati Bengals of baseball are wrestling as far as uh, inept inept performances in the playoffs are concerned? The Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins. Speaking of pathetic, speaking of pathetic, uh, speaking of pathetic performances, how about the Cincinnati Reds? You know, they're not, you know, the Braves pitching staff was not throwing um, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz at them. They were, they were you know, they, these are these are no names. Uh, again, same thing, the Ian Anderson, who, what, yeah, throwing Ian Anderson at you. I mean, you got, I mean, you got, y'all, y'all got to be kidding me, okay? Getting shut out in how many innings it was? They got nine innings, they got nine innings in... They got nine innings on um, on their second loss, and then how many? And then how how long did that other game go for? Let me check. The and went thirteen innings. So you do the math. Nine plus thirteen in is what? Nine plus thirteen is what? That's about 22. twenty. That's about twenty-two innings. Thank you. About twenty-two innings. They did not muster a run. Think about that for a minute. Went twenty-two innings and did not muster a run. Put up eight hit hit got on base with hits eleven times in the against the Braves in game one and only managed to get two hits in game two and left many of runners on base. That is a joke. And the and what a I mean I understand you know in a regular year maybe the the Reds wouldn't have made the postseason anyway but my again they're not throwing Glavin Smoltz 
and Maddox at you, okay? Two games, and you play extra inning in one of those games, and you can't manage to muster up one lousy run. Are you kidding me? You can't, y'all can't manage to muster up one lousy run. You score extra innings in one game, you leave a million runners on base, you can't muster up one lousy run? Really, Cincinnati? Are you kidding me? I'm not here. If you got swept, you got swept. But for the offensive ineptitude to not manage to muster up a single run when you're paying Nick Castellanos uh, a bundle, Mike Moustakis a bundle, and Joey Votto, every single time I turn around, you know, people want to put him into the Hall of Fame and had the chutzpah to sit up here and tweet, well, yeah, we are a pretty effing dangerous team when you don't even bother to score, to score a run. In twenty-two innings of uh, of baseball, I mean, are you kidding me? The the Reds, the Reds, and the Twins should be ashamed of themselves. Ashamed. Lastly, the Miami Marlins shock the Chicago Cubs. Okay, do y'all know that the Miami Marlins and every year they've only made the postseason three times in their history. And the previous two times they made the postseason, they end up winning the World Series. Ninety-seven, they knocked off the Indians, and in two thousand three, they knocked off the Yankees. And 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 of course, winning the po- winning the World Series in your only two times, making it into the postseason, you haven't lost the you haven't lost the playoff series yet. And that streak continues because the, because the Marlins came into Wrigley Field and took two or three from Chicago in a sweep. And now the Miami Marlins, granted, they are a young franchise and they've only made the playoffs three times in their history. They have not won they have not lost a playoff series yet in their history. They are undefeated in playoff series. They've lost postseason games, of course, but they have not lost a playoff series in their history. They didn't lose one in ninety seven, they didn't lose one in 03. And they haven't lost one so far in 2020. And let me tell you something right now. From a team, you know, this team's got grit. This team's got guts. They got fight. You know, they they came into Baltimore and punched my Orioles in the mouth with, with taxi squad guys and minor leaguers when essentially their entire team was out with COVID. Think about that for a minute. And they go in there, they sneak their way into the postseason, and they beat... The four years removed World Series champion Chicago Cubs in their building, that that's with, with you know making you know with 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 when the team's payroll is what is uh is essentially pennies on the dollar, I mean that that's pretty freaking impressive, and had a and this wasn't a team you know a la the Astros that had a sub five hundred record. This team went this team went thirty one and twenty nine, and and won twenty games away from Marlins Park. And you know they they they're gonna play the um, the Bra- they're gonna play the Braves in the next round, and the Padres are gonna go up against the Dodgers. But I tell you something right now. If the Marlins believe that they can win the World Series, I tell you what, you got no pressure on you. You know, Padres they have no pressure on them either because you know they're a young team. And you know their season is a success. Just to get to the NLDS, their season is a, is a success. 
You know, the Braves, they, they won a postseason series. Pressure's on, but if they don't win the World Series, no one's going to say, no one's going to say boo. But, and of course there's, and of course there's hella pressure, obviously, on the LA Dodgers. But let me tell you something right now. Go out there at Miami, give them all you got, and you know what? It's 2020, what the hell? Go out there and win yourself a World Series. Beat the Yankees, beat Tampa, beat whoever. I'm putting, part of me, I'm, I'm pulling for the Marlins because why not? It's 2020. Previous two times they've made the postseason, they've won the whole thing. It's 2020. If, if you, this year's proven anything, anything can happen. Go out there and win the whole thing, boys. And speaking of Chicago, and Chicago's going to have some answers uh, this offseason, but I'll say that for another day. You know, how about the core of Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo, who batting average-wise have hit below 140 since the 2016 World Series and have struck out or combined over 50 times. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. And as far as the division series are concerned, look, you got the you got the Yankees. It's East, East, West, West for all, all the seven div, seven teams from the American League and National League Central divisions got knocked out of the postseason. So take the so think about that. Seven of the postseason seven of the central teams that made the postseason got knocked out. So you got four West teams and four teams from the East. Now, technically, the Astros are, are a quote-unquote central team. They don't exactly play on the West Coast, but they play in the American League Western Division. So, hey, you have the Astros and A's, Yankees and Rays in the American League, National League. You have the – it's all the it's all division – Um, I mean, this, this really puts the division in divi – <laughs> it's funny. You know, they put the – you know, they put the American League Divisional Series – well. Given the fact that this postseason format if for this year's and for this year's American League and National League division series, where every single one of the games of the series of uh, of the of this round consists of teams that are division rivals: Yankees and Rays, Astros and A's, uh, Padres and Padres and Dodgers, and Marlins and Braves. It really puts really puts the really puts the D in divisional series, but you got the Astros and A's four o'clock on TBS on uh, on Monday. No baseball uh, this weekend, um, and you got Yankees and Rays uh, at eight oh seven. That's going to go up against Falcons and uh, Packers on Monday Night Football. And then, of course, Tuesday, you get two games on Monday. And then you get no off days because they are in those bubble locations. And then, of course, and then essentially from Tuesday on out, you will have, uh, you'll essentially have four games on a day until we get to the uh, league championship series. You have Astros and you have Astros and A's raising Yankees game two of those series on Tuesday. And then you will have Marlins and Braves and Dodgers and Padres game one of their National League Division Series, respectively, on Tuesday night. Um, as far as you want previews are concerned, listen, 
the I'd love to see the A's make it, you know, knock off their division rival. Of course, they had that fight with the Astros earlier this past season, uh, and the A's were a lot better, were much better than the Astros in 2020, ended up winning their division. Astros, this looks like it could be their last chance at a championship. Granted, sub-500 record, but they got guys on the team that has postseason experience again. Uh, no Verlander out, of course, for the rest of the season. But that, ser that series will have juice because of the fact that those two teams got into it uh, back earlier in the short season, back in the summertime. Uh, the other, uh, the series I think that that will have the most juice is the Yankees and the Rays because, of course, it's the Yankees and, of course, it's the Rays. And if we've learned anything for the last couple of seasons that these two teams do not like each other whatsoever. You know, you had the situation with Chapman and and the Ray and the Rays getting into getting into shouting matches and almost fighting each other back in what early September I think it was. And then of course you've had history between these two teams for the last couple of years. So it's clear that these two teams do not like each other. The big bad Yankees and then Tampa, the little train that could that always manages to uh to uh Beat beat up on the Yankees when when the opportunity when the opportunity is there. The Rays went forty and twenty, uh, went forty and twenty in two thousand and twenty. Yankees went thirty three and twenty seven. It'll be very not to mention I can to you another thing that probably pays tribute to this is the fact that the Yankees essentially have their spring training in the uh, in the Rays' backyard, so to speak, because the Yankees' spring training facility is down in Tampa, Florida, and the Rays, of course, a Tampa Bay uh, baseball team that plays in a Tampa suburb of St. Petersburg. You can you can also tell that there's a that there you know it's the Rays. It's like well look at the Yankees thinking is they're so big and bad that they can essentially claim Tampa as their own because they have their spring training park here. But that series will have a lot of juice to it. The Rays are a tough, gritty. A gritty baseball team that wins games the old-fashioned way with defense and and, and moving and stays in the station with moving runners on the base pass and small ball and you know they're not they're not going to hit the home run ball uh, the Yankees will the Rays won't and you know sometimes in the postseason you know the small ball the small ball can help you against a team that likes to uh, that likes to hit the ball out the ballpark. You know, prime example, my Oriole, my 2014 Baltimore Orioles on the anniversary of the Dunwin Young double at Game Two against Detroit. Um, you know, the Orioles were, I think, they led the league in home runs that season, and ended up, you know, won the division by a landslide, won 96 games, and got swept in four games uh, by a 88 win team, by an 88 uh, Kansas City Royals team that does that didn't hit the ball out of the ballpark a whole hell of a lot. That won games via small ball, moving guys up on base, stays in the station, the old-fashioned way the baseball was played. And the Royals ended up knocking off the Orioles to get to the World Series when they lost to the Giants. So in the postseason, small ball, small ball does does in fact uh, work in the postseason. You know, hitting home runs helps you win games in the regular season. But I think in a postseason setting, I think small ball. Uh, small ball does do you a fa does 
do you more favors than trying to hit the ball out the ballpark. Now the only difference is, you know, in the cold weather, in the cold, in the cooler slash colder weather, the ball doesn't fly out the ballpark as you know as much as it as much as it does at Oriole Park than it would in the middle of June and July. But considering the fact that these teams are going to be that the American League postseason is going to is going to be played in outdoors in outdoor uh, stadiums in the state of Calif in the state of Southern Cal in the area excuse me region of Southern California, where I'm already looking you know game time temperature is going to be in the 90s with sunny skies. It's, it'll be essentially no different than uh, the Yankees and Rays playing each other in the middle of July at Yankee Stadium, or the Astros and A's playing each other in the middle of in the middle of uh, June or July at uh, at the Coliseum. So, but that'll be an interesting series. You got the Marlins and the Braves, of course. Um, both teams taking care of business against the Cubs and the Reds. Uh, that series out of if out of all the four uh, series going on, that probably will be the series that that won't have uh, that won't have as much juice because of the fact that it is the Marlins and the, and the Atlanta Braves aren't a uh, aren't a big TV ticket. The Yankees are, the Astros are because of the cheating, the Dodgers are because it's a big market, and the Padres are a fun team. So out of all the series, that one won't draw as big as a rating uh, TV wise, um, but that series will take place uh, will take place at uh, Minute Maid in Houston, and of course the Padres and the Dodgers will take place at the new stadium in Arlington Globe Life uh, Field. And it's funny, you know, three out of the four stadiums of the bubble location, you know, have teams that are in the postseason. You know. The 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 out you know Rangers of course didn't make it but you know Minute Maid Petco and Dodger Stadium, you know they asked I guarantee the Dodger fans probably going to feel a certain way, uh, that knowing that the Houston Astros are are you know for a couple of games going to call Dodger Stadium home I guarantee you that there are Dodger fans that are not too thrilled about that and it would be even more funny if they would have put the Padres and the Dodgers at at uh, Minute Maid instead of Globe Life instead the Marlins and the Braves are going to be at Minute and made and the Padres and Dodgers are going to be at Globe Life and the Yankees and Rays are going to be at Petco uh, which uh, you know me personally I would have you know me personally I would have tried to you know it's going to be weird with the times with the you know considering that uh, considering that um, that the Rays and the Yankees are both two East Coast teams are going to be playing far out west in San Diego, California. Um, Astros and A's won't be too bad. Uh, Dodgers and Padres won't be bad playing in the central time zone. Uh, Marlins and Braves won't be too bad either playing in the central time zone. But Yankees and Rays, two East Coast teams that are going to be playing in the Pacific time zone. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle the times of those of those ball games, but that's your, uh, but that's where you stand as far as the baseball is concerned. Take a break. Talk NBA Finals coming up right after this.
Welcome back to the Yamatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the hardwood in the NBA Finals. Um, if you haven't been keeping up with it for whatever the reason, if you haven't been watching it, I honestly don't blame you. The previous two games of the NBA Finals have been completely unwatchable. It is coming from a person that's been on top of and have watched pretty much every single playoff game that they've played down in Orlando. Game one, game one, it was it was uh, one sixteen to ninety eight, and then last that was game one, and then last night one twenty four to one fourteen. It, it's just. It's just, oh my good! It's just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Well, I know what it is. It's the fact that they're playing NBA Finals games in the, in October, and that, and that does not work whatsoever. So if the NBA got any ideas about, uh, no, the NBA Finals belongs where it's been the last generation or so. It belongs in the month of June. Something about the NBA Finals in the month of June, the weather starts to get hot, you know, kids starting to get out of school, and it's it's basically the big quote-unquote sports extravaganza to kick off the summer is the NBA Finals, and and it, it, it it belongs, and I know that they had no choice because of Corona and everything, but this it the NBA Finals is just not is just so much better so much better when it's being played in the summertime in the month of June instead of instead of during the fall in late September early October it it, it just this uh, dog uh, Chris or Mad Dog Russo texted me the rating and did you know that game two that rating the rating the rating for that game was four and a half million people. Four and a half million people. Four and a half million people. Now, whether it's because it's the... Now, whether it's because of the dopes that... uh, that don't like it. Well, I don't like it because of the politics. Whether it's that reason, or it's just simply the fact that people either don't want to watch, or find it hard to watch, or don't care to watch the NBA because because of the fact that it's being played. It's being played in its off season. You know. Uh, if if the world was normal, they'd be playing preseason games right now instead of the NBA Finals. And who in the hell watches NBA preseason games when you got playoff baseball and NFL football around the clock? And not to mention college football as well. And if you are and if you are watching preseason NBA basketball games around the clock, you need to go find something to do. But again. I don't know what it is. Well, I know what it. I shouldn't say that. I know what it is, but the the games themselves have just been not entertaining television. I hate. I hate to. I hate to break it to you. And I hate to say, but they're just not entertaining television. The the lake the heat look dramatically overmatched. 
they're they're overmatched as hell. You know, they cannot stop Anthony Davis, who's been a complete assassin in these first two games of the finals. Last night, I know LeBron had 33 points, but let me just read you Anthony Davis' stats. He had 32 points, 14 rebounds, 14 rebounds, a block, and an assist. And then in game one, Anthony Davis went off as well and put up and put up 34 points, nine rebounds, and five assists in his first ever NBA Finals appearance. So, I mean, the, the Heat have just been tremendously overmatched. The games have not been competitive. They've not been entertaining. Again, four and a half million people watch game two. It's one of the most... It's, it's one of the most... Um, it's one of the most, uh, least, not the most, but the one of the most watched, uh, or least watched NBA Finals games in recent in recent history. It's just, oh, it's just, it's 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 terrible, it's terrible. But I mean, and if you're a Heat fan, you know Evan Cohen, my guy, but y- y- your team's done. Th- this series will be over in four. Ga- this series will be over. But I'd say this. The next time I talk to you guys, next time the new episode's up, middle of next week, NBA, NBA season for 2020 will be over. They've been, they've, the Heat are just completely overmatched, completely overpowered. They got injuries. They, they, don't, they, they don't have a prayer. I'm sorry. They don't have a prayer. So... I say it right now. I know it's uh, we've only played two games, but congratulations to the 2020 NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Joining me now is YouTuber, host of That's Good Broncos, native of Denver, Colorado. Loves everything Colorado. He loves the Nuggets. He loves the uh, Denver Broncos, of course, and he loves the state. None other than Mr. Brandon. Perna. Perna, what's happening, pal? How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, how are you? How's your Saturday? Uh, NFL getting a, a little crazy with cancellations this weekend and postponements. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we will. But uh, everything's good. Family's good uh, here in the uh, confines of Maryland. Uh, the leaves are starting to change. I, I'm recording this outside because everything's all hectic inside the house. I need a little quiet for this spot. But, you know, the leaves beginning to change. Fall weather, nice clear skies, blue skies, sunshine. So weather is A-OK here in Maryland. Family's doing good. Thank God we're all safe with this virus. And yes, we will get into the NFL as far as the Titans postponement and Cam Newton coming down with COVID and everything else. But before we get to that in the NFL, how is how has life been, just to share with the audience, how has life been for you during this pandemic, which we've had to deal with since the middle of March and right. you becoming a new father with your wife giving birth to a baby girl and everything else? How's, how's life been for you and the Perna family? Uh, you know, a little crazy, but very we're very fortunate. Um, I work from home, uh, you know, with YouTube, so not too much changed for me. My wife was able to continue her job from home. So, you know, while you're bringing a kid into the world, having your your jobs uh, and the security there is extremely comforting. 
And uh, yeah, just playing it safe, you know, not doing a whole lot. But when you have a new baby, that's kind of what happens anyway. So we were, right. I would say, conditioned for the last several months to be prepared to just be at home all the time. <laughs> right. Now, is this now is this something where when your kid gets old enough, say in about five years, you know, when she turns five years old, you're going to be like, hey, you were born in the middle of a pandemic at possibly the worst year in since since post Jesus. I mean, yeah. this, what we're going through is absolutely boy, boy, have we gone through the ringer? Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, it's been weird. But um, good to hit. Yeah, ha- has your family, your extended family, your parents? You have you have any uh, siblings, Brandon, or no? Uh, I have one sister, but uh, everybody's been um, safe, healthy, you know, like, you know, most people, there's been other issues and, you know, different things that happen in the normal day to day, but extended, extended family, you know, I think as you've seen some, some cases and, and people contracting the virus, but intermediate and my close group of friends so far everybody's remained healthy so that's good very good moving on now to the national football league week three brandon i don't know i mean i know how you feel but just to give an audience sort of like how you feel because you know members of my audience necessarily don't watch your youtube your youtube show and which they should by the way that's good sports and that's good broncos subscribe to it when you get a chance um the bears and the falcons last week i mean the falcons i I don't i don't know where i am with the falcons 28 to 3 the cowboys are absolutely horrendous two weeks ago fumbling the football turnover the football all over the place mike mccarthy who isn't exactly tom landry as a head coach (laughs) you know, fake punts inside their own territory, not once but twice and failed. Going for it for 239 to 30, knowing that that two-point conversion doesn't mean anything because if you don't get it, you're still down two scores, being down nine points. And then they and then they blew a tremendous – and then they allow 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter against the Bears, and they lose 30 to 26. What in the hell is going on with the Atlanta Falcons and Bill O'Brien? In Bill O'Brien? Yeah, not Bill O'Brien. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> Dan Quinn. I was wondering why you were silent. I was like, oh, I said Bill I was, O'Brien. I, I was just making sure uh, there wasn't two questions in there, and I, I missed one. <laughs> yeah, no. We'll, we'll get to Bill O'Brien in a minute, but what, what, the, what, the, what the heck's going on with the Atlanta Falcons? And there we Dan go. Because how he still has a job, Got I it. don't understand. Yeah, well, I think he's one of the, the coaches on – on the hot seat right now. And I think the Falcons biggest issue is, and has been their, their defense, not, you know, one, not playing complimentary football, but also injuries. They have more injuries uh, seemingly like always to their secondary. And so, you know, teams are able to pass on them and score on them and, it's strange because offensively they look legit usually every week. You know, Matt Ryan's put puts up numbers. Calvin Ridley's like one of the lead, yeah. leading receivers in the league. They score touchdowns. Julio Jones, always a beast. They brought in um, 
you know, they, they lost Austin Hooper, but they, they brought in, uh, oh man, from Baltimore. His name is uh, Hayden Hurst, you know, they, like they yeah, get, Hurst, they get yeah. production out of guys and it's just, I think if Dan Quinn, who is, you know, he got his rise to sort of fame through coaching the Seahawks defense. And he just hasn't been able to put that together in Atlanta, except for the one year they got to the Super Bowl, their defense was playing well. Uh, That's just been their, their issue is defense and injury. So it's kind of a mystery. uh, But I think that Seattle defense proved that if you just have a ton of, excellent players uh, anybody can coach them and it's hard to sort of replicate uh, you know in other places right I mean with the Falcons I had to look at it like this they first of all they should have tackled uh, Allen Robinson on that touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter uh, missed tackles all over there's nothing I hate seeing more in the National Football League is guys missing tackles I, it makes me sick I can't take it they let Nick Foles who came into the game after Mitch Trubisky was horrendous they let Nick Foles come into the game and I think it was like a fourth and six completed a pass where the receiver had was like 15 yards of wide open space. I mean, that 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 cannot happen, and you expect to win football games. And I'll tell you another thing. You know, for Matt Ryan and all of his glory making the amounts of money that he's making, you know, how about in these games you know, How about in these games where the Falcons' defense chokes and collapses on itself? How about Matt Ryan uh, put put the games away when when his team's choked? He didn't put the game away when um, when they went conservative in, in, the, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. You know they put up a couple more points in the in the uh, in the Cowboy game, but it wasn't enough. And then, of course, in this game, they don't they they didn't score the entire fourth quarter. And Matt Ryan went 19 for 38 with 238 yards passing, a touchdown interception, and I believe completed only two passes in the fourth quarter. You know, Matt Ryan. Granted, that defense is is uh, is a glaring issue in coaching and everything else, not being able to finish games. But Albert Matt Ryan, with all the money he's making, go out there, put the put his team on his shoulders, and close and close out these games. Would it would it kill him? I would hope that it would not kill him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, any team that you know loses week after week, usually there are multiple problems or issues and you can you can find it on i mean even the falcons isn't young way coup hurt this week too so like it's he missed he missed the field goal late that cost but him too, uh yeah. yeah it's there's usually issues offense defense special teams coaching it's like you know somebody's been following the broncos very closely this year that's Besides, I mean, they've been plagued by injuries as well. They have more key injuries, I feel like, than any team in the league right now. But losing almost always is a team effort. You can always find one side that might not be pulling their weight. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely fair to criticize, you know, Matt Ryan and the, the Falcons offense in clutch time, which – if there's like an anti-clutch sort of symbol, you could just throw that on the Falcons offense. And I think you nailed it with them, you know, not performing late in the games and in the fourth quarter for sure. Speaking of uh, not performing in the four in quarters, 
How about the Rams and the Bills? 28-3. to three, uh, The Bills had a humongous lead on the Rams. And then only for the only for the Bills to choke the lead away, Rams come within striking distance, and then the Bills and then the Bills end up going home and win, and winning that football game. And I don't want to hear a hey, look. I understand. And I've said this at infinitum with officials. You know, when the game's close, fourth, keep yourself out of the game. I, I have I've said that at infinitum. I can't stand it when officials inject themselves into a close competitive football game. But at the same time. You know, can I don't want to hear the Ram fan complain about pass interference when they got to a Super Bowl because of a blatant, <laughs> obvious pass interference penalty wasn't called. Give me your thoughts on the uh, on the Bills and Rams, thirty-five to thirty-two. Yeah, well, I think the you know the Rams definitely did not get the the correct call on the field. That always stings, and it's always a nice thing to be able to blame the refs as a fan. But I think any sort of football coach or football cliche is like, don't leave the the game in the hands of the ref. And it's, it's like, it's stupid, but it's true. So most games are, are usually won or lost on uh, a handful of plays. And I think that Bill's game, if you want to really blame the Rams, you know, for what they did wrong, it was letting the Bills score so many points early. They had to dig themselves out of a huge deficit, and then uh, it looked like they were on track for a, a great comeback, a Atlanta Falcons-sized sort of collapse from the Bills. But the Bills are, are a good football team. Their defense is decent, and Josh Allen's playing better, and he's consistently been good this season so far. So I think my biggest takeaway from that game was that both teams are pretty good. I think maybe the Rams are a little bit of an underrated team right now. And the Bills, not by me, but probably by some people, maybe just a little bit overrated. Like they still have maybe some issues, but I'm high on both teams. I I think the Rams are getting coached very well. Aaron Donald's still just an unstoppable beast. And their defense kind of coming together now that they got, you know, some of the pieces there that they want shed some of the money and older players uh, last season. And uh, Buffalo is just a fun team. It's just like Josh Allen, the way he plays the game, it's always going to be entertaining. He's going to make throws that sort of make you want to pull your hair out. And those are becoming fewer and fewer, but then he makes plays that are just always like highlight worthy every game. So if you're a Bills fan, just enjoy that ride. And if you're a Rams fan, I think uh, they're going to maybe surprise some people this year. Especially this season's going to be crazy with games probably going to be canceled a little more frequently over the next coming weeks and months with COVID spreading and different how they handle that. Like anything can happen. So uh, I like both teams right now. I mean, here, here's what here's the only thing that I have to say about the Rams. You know, for Aaron Donald, who everyone loves to wax poetic, like he's uh, Deacon Jones. You know, he he didn't make he didn't make a play of any significance until midway through the fourth quarter. That's a, that's the first thing. Second thing is with your Bills point, Josh Allen is one hell of a quarterback. Very entertaining to watch. Rough rider. He he he's got guts. He's he knows how to scratch and claw to, to and fight to win football games. 
I mean, and and all I needed to see was his performance against the Cowboys last year on Thanksgiving, where he absolutely humiliated the Cowboys up and down the field. And Cole Beasley had a nice uh, taste of humble pie, no pun intended, at AT AT&T Stadium. But Josh Allen, 24 for 33, 311 passing was four touchdown passes, turned over the football twice, which is something that he has to cut down on, the careless turnovers with the interceptions and fumbling the football when he decides uh, when he decides to run it. But the Bills, 3-0, undefeated, in first place in the NFC East. They are going to be in phenomenal shape, phenomenal shape, compete for that division. And I looked at it earlier this week. You know, Brandon, the last Monday night football game of the year, uh, Monday, December 28th, week 16, the Bills play the Patriots. That game could decide who wins the AFC. Oh, yeah. That could be a phenomenal, highly impactful football game to the AFC playoff. Picture. That could be a great especially game. Especially because uh, – you're right, yeah. And especially considering what, you know, the Patriots are going to go without Cam Newton for the minimum the next two games against um, Kansas City and then, of course, the week after, the week after uh, that. Um, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks staying with the NFC West teams. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but Russell Wilson is by far one of the most disrespected <laughs> quarterbacks in the National Football League. I don't care what you know. I I, I looked after the Monday night game, and I got Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend and Tippett trying to talk about what well, we love the disrespect. Brittany, shut up. Disrespect my ass, okay? <laughs> Russell Wilson is essentially hey, – Pete Carroll is not exactly the um, the best play caller in the history of football. <clears throat> Super Bowl 49, you know. Right. Uh, Super Bowl 49 is a perfect example. Marshawn Lynch is retired. Doug Baldwin's retired. Cam Chancellor, I know it's defense, but he's retired. There are, and, and, and Tyler Lockett is good. But let's be fair, that, that entire – and I know D.K. Metcalf is a hell of a wide receiver out of Ole Miss, but let's be honest, Russell Wilson carries that Seahawk team on his back. And that defense is not their Legion of Boom defense from their 2013-2014 years that you know so well. Uh, please, Brittany, read, open up a book, get a clue. Be objective. Russell Wilson has not gotten one MVP vote compared to Patrick Mahomes, who's won the MVP and won Super Bowl MVP. And in my honest opinion, I wouldn't have given it to Patrick the Super Bowl MVP. I would have given it to Damian Williams, who scored the touchdown to take the lead and scored the touchdown late in the fourth quarter to put the game away. Not to mention Patrick Mahomes was not Patrick Mahomes for three straight quarters. Let's call it like we see it. Russell Wilson and Seattle Seahawks, give me your thoughts on on them. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson's been an underrated quarterback since he entered the league. And I think I realized how good he was when the the Seahawks decimated my Broncos in the Super Bowl. That was kind of like my takeaway was, oh, this guy, this guy can ball. Like it's not just that defense mm-hmm. that's good. They've got a real quarterback on this team. And uh, you know. Patrick Mahomes and his fiance, like what she doesn't realize is he's probably the most over-respected quarterback in the league. He deserves most of his praise, but I think people like to get over-hyped about every single throw he makes when there's a handful of guys doing that week in and week out. Like Russell Wilson's a guy who's making the same Mm -hmm. kinds of throws 
Patrick Mahomes is. Aaron Rodgers is the same kind of guy. I mean, Josh Allen right now. Makes them make throws. Throws. We saw Deshaun Watson doing it last year, and it's like the Texans are just a bad team now, so nobody's talking about Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. He's playing for his life every right. single play. But, yeah, the Seahawks, they're – their issue right now is their defense is not good. Their secondary is terrible. And so Russell Wilson going to have to light up opposing defenses to keep that team in games. And in one of our videos this last week, Tyler Lockett was our underrated wide receiver uh, that we kind of had in there because uh, I think he's really what makes that passing game work. Like he's the guy Wilson sort of relies on and DK is growing into a good receiver. And he's got like, he averages like 24, 25 yards per catch, but he still has like some drops. We saw that fumble last week. So his game's still developing. And once it does, dude's going to be insane, I think. Uh, It'll be just a total nightmare, but he can get better. And so just like thinking about where the Seahawks can go, uh, it is up. But right now, like, I think the Packers are a better team than them. And I think head-to-head Packers beat them, you know, in playoff scenario nine out of ten times right now because the Seahawks have a huge liability, and that gets exposed when you start playing really good teams. Right. I mean, I 14 touchdown passes in the first three weeks of the season. That's all you need to know. And he would have thrown for six last week had not DK Metcalf pull a Leon Lett. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and and drag on his way into the end zone, and he got popped out from behind him, and then it was a touchback, and it was six points off the board. So Russell Wilson really should have fifteen touchdown pads in the first three weeks of the season, not fourteen. I don't care what Brittany Matthew says; that's nonsense. Uh, he's a phenomenal talent. No disrespect to Mahomes. No, they're I'm not, both great. You know, I'm not trying to be like that, but when you have Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey. And Andy Reid, who's a who's a pretty damn yeah. good uh, NFL coach. Last time I checked, all he needed was to win the Super Bowl to cement himself as an all-time great coach. That's not no disrespect to Patrick. Again, he's a phenomenal talent, but it's not exactly heavily yeah, lifted compared. Uh, who would you? I'll ask you this: Who would you rather have on your team, Tyree Tyree Hill, McCole Hardman, and Travis Kelsey, or you know, or here, or uh, Greg Olson, Freddie Swain? Uh, Chris Carson and uh, and an undersized Tyler Lockett and and Jacob Hollister. I mean, no, again, no disrespect to any of these guys, but let's be fair. Russell Wilson's carrying Seattle. Padgett Mahomes is great, but that's not heavy lifting when you have one of the more dynamic offensive weapons in the National Football League, and you have a Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid. Uh, Pete Carroll is still the same idiot that threw the ball at the one-yard line against the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Yeah. Keep that in mind. So that, that's that's the state of affairs with Seattle, and they will absolutely uh, destroy the Dolphins on Sunday when they play them. Uh, the Seahawks' opponent in the game was the Dallas Cowboys, so I'm not sold on. Again, they were horrendous in the first half, uh, fake punts, uh, going for two. Uh, fumbling the football left and right against the Falcons. They got lucky in that game. I'm not sold on the Cowboys. You got to do me more. You got to do more than put up 17 points against the Rams week one. I don't care about that, about that offensive pass interference penalty. You know, if Dak Prescott sitting up here wants $50 million and he sits up here and puts up 17 points against the Rams and can't bring the Cowboys home against, like you said, a pathetic Seattle defense, 
I don't want to hear anything about Dak Prescott. I'm not sold on the Cowboys, and we're and we're looking and we're looking at the severe coaching flaws that Mike McCarthy has when Aaron Rodgers is not his uh, is not his QB to mask it up. Give me your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys at one and two. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably a little bit higher on Dak than maybe most people. I think he's been the more consistent or the most consistent guy on, on that team this season so far. They're not getting a ton of production out of Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that team right now with their injuries on defense, I mean, losing Leighton Vander Esch was huge. And then, you know, Sean Lee goes out behind him and the Cowboys were like building a defensive identity based on those, those linebackers. And, uh, you know, they have some issues there. The pass rush was supposed to be, elite and great this year and they're not getting the production out of it that you know many people were trying to hype before the the season started so I kind of look at at Dak as being kind of the bright spot in terms of spreading the ball around he's got you know he's got great receivers they've scored points when they've needed to and like it's like they perform in the second half of games you know the last you know few few weeks it's Mm -hmm. they don't turn it on until it's late or a little bit too late even um but Mm -hmm. yeah it's a new head coach also takes time i think to sort of gel and develop with the team and i'm not saying i think mike mccarthy is a great head coach but um you know before he can really make an impact i think he needs time to have chemistry with the guys he's you know trying to put it in situations to make plays on the field. But again, if you don't have consistently great play on both sides of the ball, which the Cowboys don't have right now, it's it's going to be tough to win games against good teams. To me, the Cowboys are, they're going to win like games against average teams or they should always be favored. But when the, the level of talent that they're facing raises, uh, I don't trust them at all because they're they're sort of one dimensional. And unless they can get Zeke Elliott back on track, where he's rushing for you know over a hundred yards a game, and they're controlling the, the the clock a little bit and helping their defense by keeping opposing offenses off the field, then yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be a week to week team where people are high or low on them. Yeah, you, you cannot under any circumstances win football games where Dak Prescott has to throw the football 57 yeah, times yeah. in a game and Ezekiel Elliott is carrying the ball 14 times, averaging two and a half yards a carry. That's not a recipe for No, success. it's their – you know, when they were competing, it was because their offensive line was just dominating people. And it's – that they don't have that right now, in addition to, you know, whatever other problems you kind of want to point out. But – they're a team that was starting to build an identity of controlling the the line of scrimmage, and it seems like they've kind of gotten away from that. I in fact, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to when you're paying Zeke all that money, and he threw a complete fit last off season, wanting his money. Fourteen carries, averaging two and a half yards a carry, is 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 not cutting it. Not when you play for the Dallas Cowboys and you're making the amount of money you're making. Nobody cares about your stupid nose piercings or your asinine tattoos run the football enough to count some <laughs> ball games will you please uh are the saints saints lost to the packers last thursday night or excuse me last sunday night 37 to 30 are the saints yeah a little bit i mean 
here, here's what I think about the Saints is maybe you were aware of this thing, but there was this whole narrative about Michael Thomas being just a, uh, an average receiver, but he runs like all he does is slant routes. And uh, you know, that's where Drew Brees feeds him. And he's a product of Drew Brees getting him the ball all the time. Well, I think what we're seeing right now is the opposite right. of, of that is true. It's like Michael Thomas was, is making Drew Brees look better than he currently is as a 41-year-old quarterback in the league. So without Michael Thomas in that offense, right. they've been like one-dimensional. It's like it's Alvin Kamara and that's it. And Kamara's in, like insanely talented. He's incredibly fun to watch. But um, a guy like Michael Thomas, I think what he caught, you know, over 140 passes last year. And people still found a way to like shit on his yeah. his production. So yeah. my takeaway is he is better than he was getting credit for, and Drew Brees desperately needs him back on that offense to work. Okay. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Yeah, I can't hear you. You were la- you were lagging oh, out. Oh, sorry, bit, but I can't hear you now. Yeah. So uh, and uh, easy with the language. I got I got many a guest that owe me dollars. Oh, sorry, man. For, for the S and the F bombs, so easy. You're you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Um, so from another net, uh, NFC South team to another, and I think the Saints and I think the Saints they need Michael Thomas back desperately. And if and if they don't, uh, if they don't get Charles, if Charles Barkley. If they don't get uh, Michael Thomas back, they are going to be in some trouble because that that team is. Uh, I mean, Alvin Kamara is a phenomenal talent, but you can, but your offense cannot be Drew Brees dunking off uh, little five yard uh, screen patterns to Alvin Kamara and essentially have him be your entire offense. That's just you can't you can't you can't win football games that way. Um, so it's moving out, moving on to the Saints NFC South rival, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Tom Brady looked old. He looked lost. He was uh, dis- he looked discombobulated against the Saints week one. Uh, week two, they beat who did they beat? They beat the Panthers. Uh, yeah. And then week three, they beat um, they beat your Denver Broncos. I know you hate Tom Brady, so you gotta have to give me a uh, as best of an objective take on Tom Brady as you can. But what are your thoughts on Tom Brady and his new team? So uh, I will say my opinion is pending. Um, like I think he's, I think he's still fine. Like he's still an above average quarterback, and now he's got tons of weapons to work with on offense and he's going to be bailed out by a defense that I think is underrated. And by the end of the season, I think Tampa Bay will, their defense might be what people are actually talking about. And the offense, you know, is scoring enough points every game to, to win comfortably, but they've got great pass rushers They've got young corners who are starting to sort of figure it out. And assuming Brady just keeps playing, you know, safe football, he's not doing anything amazing down there. But if you've got a good defense, just don't make mistakes and utilize your big time playmakers when you can. And they've got enough in Tampa Bay and they'll be fine. 
Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they tank and nosedive and everybody says they're terrible, but uh, <laughs> I feel like they're probably going to be a, you know, a playoff team. And I think that division is weaker than I thought it was going to be uh, heading into the season. Yeah. I mean, if the Saints don't straighten up and fly right and get my, or with, with or without Michael Thomas, the Bucks could. Uh, I can see the Bucks coming by them and uh, stealing that division right from under them. That's just me. The Monday night game, Chiefs and Ravens. Uh, I sounded off. I don't know if you heard it. It's on the I'm Tell Like a Ti is uh, Instagram page at, at I'm a Tell It underscore podcast and on Twitter at I'm a Tell It underscore it at I'm a Tell underscore it Ti is on Twitter. I don't know if you heard it or not, if you saw it or not, but I sound off on the uh, Chiefs and Ravens game. Uh, I sound off on the fact that, you know, uh, with the Patrick Mahomes stuff, I, I can't take this national media love affair with them. It's just, it's sickening. It's nauseating. I can't take it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The world is a, is a living hell right now. I can't take, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the $500 million contracts and his fiance tweeting things and the, the engagement. I'm, I'm not interested. And then, uh, and I, and again, I, went off and I said, how about, and, you know, instead of us waxing poetic on uh, Patrick Mahomes nine million times, how about we get on the Ravens who absolutely, completely wet the bed and embarrassed themselves in front of America. And I don't want to hear, well, well, you know, it's just another game. No, it's not just another game, okay? They're the best. They're the champs coming into your building. You're at home. I get it, no fans. Coming into your building at home. Monday Night Football, week three, you're 2-0. You're you're one of the, you're essentially the only other team in the AFC favored logically to to go to and win the Super Bowl. I picked them to go to and win the Super Bowl. You got the unanimous defending last year's NFL MVP and Lamar Jackson. It's about time y'all go out there and do something. I know y'all are chopping at the bit because you got embarrassed by Derrick Henry in the playoff game back in January. This is a game that the Ravens had to win. And there's no other meaningful – until the playoffs, there's no other meaningful game on that Ravens 2020 schedule uh, after after this Chiefs game. That Chiefs game was their most important game on the schedule, and it came in week three, okay? And I don't want to hear Ravens fans or Lamar Jackson pump up his chest and look at me, big trust, woo-woo, when they beat Washington 55-3. to I'm not interested in that, okay? They, abso- they were pathetic. <laughs> on Monday night against the Chiefs. Their defense was terrible. Patrick Queen got roasted to shreds. Lamar Jackson threw for 97 passing yards and was completely just uh, disgustingly bad. Now, I get it. Not all of it. Again, I understand that uh, Mark Andrews didn't help catching or, excuse me, dropping every ball in sight. I mean, this man couldn't catch coronavirus if he licked the toilet seat at a, uh, at a hospital in the middle of the Philippines, we're crying out loud. But, I mean, what what were your thoughts on that Chiefs and Ravens Monday night game? Well, I don't think I'll be as hard on the Ravens as you are right now. Um, but, yeah, they just – I feel like they just played a bad game. That happens sometimes. And sometimes, like, you've got to kind of drop a bad game like that to sort of see what your weaknesses are as a team to try and course correct – and I, I agree, like, it was an important game and maybe a wake-up call for the Ravens. And now they've got, you know, Washington, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, so they can get back on track. 
But then November, they, you know, they play the Steelers, they play the Colts, they play the Patriots, they play the Titans. So they'll get tested in a, a really good month to go through kind of a ringer of games to, to figure out who they are. And I think for my money, the Ravens are the most fun. Well, at least last year, they were the most fun team to watch and they were fun to watch this year. So just for pure entertainment purposes, I want to see them get back on track because when that offense is playing well, it is extremely enjoyable because you don't know if it's the passing game that's going to be hot one week, the running backs or Lamar Jackson running and their defense is a playmaker defense. And that's kind of what they did not do against the chiefs. Uh, they missed some of their, you know, those dynamic sort of plays. And they just, it looked like they just forgot to cover <laughs> the chiefs receivers at time. So, um, right. Like, I would seriously. credit that to Andy Reid finding mismatches and knowing sort of how to exploit them. But I think they'll get back on track. Uh, I hope so, because I feel like they're the best team to contend with the Chiefs uh, outside the Ravens. I don't know who that would eventually be in the, the AFC right now. Right. I mean, I, I look at it like this. You know, the Ravens aren't – you can kiss Raymond James Stadium February 2nd, Super Bowl 55 goodbye if you can't beat the Chiefs. I thought they were going to be able to beat the Chiefs because for the first time in his career, Patrick Mahomes, you know, get out of the confines of uh, Kansas City, son. You're in a uh, big, bad Baltimore. But let's see what you got. Uh, and, and, you know, because the previous two times that they, that Kansas City had beaten Baltimore – they were uh, they were in they were, they were at Arrowhead. They beat them. Uh, I think they beat them either November or October 2018, and they beat them September of last season. They come into Baltimore for the first time. That was a game that that I wanted the Ravens to win, and that the Ravens really should won. And again, they do not unless the playoff uh, seating works in their favor. You know, they cannot they cannot get to they can kiss Super Bowl 55 goodbye if they can't. Yeah, the I think that's all there is to it. That's true yes, for I think every every team in the AFC. <laughs> true, uh, but I mean, you so you don't th- you don't think that the Patriots could contend with Kansas City in the AFC Get, with with the and oh they're, they're most likely going to lose whether they play Tuesday night or or Monday night like with putting putting out Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. But you know, you know, if they ever were to play each other again with a healthy Cam Newton, everybody's healthy in January. You don't think that uh, the Patriots could deliver the goods against Kansas? City I mean, I would never count out Bill Belichick to coach well against him. But um, the when you know the Patriots played him in the AFC Championship game, not last year, but the year before. They nearly lost that game. They were, you know, (laughs) it was a a Kansas City Chiefs defensive offsides penalty that saved uh, the Patriots there. So, yeah, I I think we're still trying to learn about this Patriots team with Cam, with Bill, and I would say I'm high on them. I think they're a good team, and depending on when Cam can get back, uh, they'll they'll continue to grow and develop, but – they're not as strong as they were. They've got a ton of guys who opted out this season. They're, they're don't, I mean, they don't have any dynamic receivers right now. 
Uh, Rex Burkhead looked like their best offensive player outside of Cam Newton last week. So I think there's just a lot we don't know about the Patriots. So no, I don't trust the Patriots to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs at this point. Um, It's a long season. We'll see where they're at in December, but I would bet on Kansas City still. Right. Getting on to our teams now, and then I'll get to the two teams that postponed by COVID and we'll let Brandon go so he can continue uh, tending to <laughs> his you, uh, to his baby girl. But uh, my, t- my team <laughs> my team first, Eagles and the Bengals. I sound off uh, if you can tell, I get angry and I get agitated when I see fair, a poor football being played. Uh, especially when it's my football team. Especially when it's my football team. I mean, that our offensive here's the bottom line, Brandon. Offensive line is pathetic. If we do not bother to protect Joe Burrow, you might as well either trade him or release him or have him prematurely retire right now. You can have all the friends. Well, you got your quarterback. Okay, fine. What do you do with him? Okay, you, you don't. It's like buying a million dollar mansion and you don't get home insurance on it. I mean, what, what's what's the what's the what's the point of having it if you're not going to protect it and invest in it to and and uh, and protect it? Joe Burrow is our most valuable asset. We have to protect them. Offensive line is atrocious. Defense played a little bit better, but they were making, but they were killing me when they let Carson Wentz march down the field at the end of the fourth quarter to tie the game up. They didn't have a spy on Carson when he scored a touchdown to tie the game. Uh, they, uh, Joe Burrow also has to work on his connection with A.J. Green. I don't know whether it's because there's no training camp, no OTAs. A.J. Green still trying to get his feet underneath him, you know, playing his, at least attempting to play his first full season since God knows how long. I don't know what the problem is, but you know they got to work on their connection, and then and then the last thing is the coaching's got to put got to put Joe Burrow and the Bengals in better chances to win. You know there were times in that game we should have been more aggressive to put the ball in the end zone instead of instead of settling for field goals. So what are your thoughts on on the Bengals and Eagles tie? And feel free to go ahead and and kill the Eagles and uh, Doug Peterson for essentially waving the white flag going for the tie because they committed a false start penalty, which kicked them out. Yeah, I mean, basically, we're looking at uh, what I just went through watching, you know, Jets-Broncos on Thursday night football. It's just a game against uh, between two teams that aren't good right now. Um, The Bengals will be okay because I do think they found their guy in Burrow, and yes, they need to get more or better protection for him up front. I think he's the most sacked quarterback in the league right now. So part of that is him being, you know, young as well and learning like he can't take as many sacks as he's taking, but the line is terrible. So I think that like you can improve the offensive line that can get better. The defense. uh, I don't know enough about the Bengals defense right now to speak on it. Like educated. Yeah, they're not good, but, like, I don't know why, I guess, at this point. So. No, Geno Atkins. Atkins He's been injured in the first three games, and it looks like. Joe Mixon has a chest injury, so I'm waiting to see how that pans out for one of my, you know, fantasy rosters tomorrow morning. (laughs) But, uh, like, (laughs) I think about Peyton Manning with the Colts in his first season. You know, they weren't good either. So, sometimes you just got to go through that grow those growing pains. The Eagles, they've already done right. that. 
like Carson Wentz has already played at a high level and he's just, he is not playing well on top of also having an offensive line that is not good. It's suffered through a ton of injuries. And I think Jason Peters just went on IR today. Um, So I think the Bengals chances of getting their first win are good. You're playing the right team to do it. Against Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. And we better get it too, because again, it doesn't get easy when you got to go play right. the Ravens the week after. So if we if we don't beat Jacksonville this week, and yeah, that we we're going we are in, we are in, we're cruising for a bruising uh, against Baltimore. Uh, your Broncos and the Jets. I got to be honest. Full disclosure, I didn't watch that game much much at all. I'm sorry, Broncos and Jets. Oh yeah, sorry. Going up against. Uh, sorry, against you're you're play. right. I was the Bengals and Eagles just played. Uh, in the, the famous tie, obviously. Yeah. Um, I cover, I, yeah, I do too yeah. much football. I get a little confused sometimes. I'm a little sleep deprived, but, uh, I don't think the Bengals are going to beat the Jaguars. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I, I said they were going to get your first win. I sounded like an idiot. Feel free to edit that out. But, uh, I just did a, you know, a solid brain fart right there. You realize yeah. that they tied. The I, I've talked about that game like two yeah. times, two or three times this week, and it's already I've already forgotten about it, man. <laughs> it's it's fine, but your your Broncos and your Broncos and Jets. Full disclosure: I didn't watch much of that game at all. I was busy uh, watching what what ball game was I watching on Thursday night? I think I was watching not the Yankee game. I think I was watching the. Cardinals and the Padres playoff game instead of Broncos and Jets. I'm sorry. The Jets stank their complete abomination. And uh, watching uh, Mark Ripon's nephew does nothing <laughs> for me either. So I didn't, I didn't see much of the game at all. So give me some edification on that Broncos and Jets game. I know Vangio was all pissed off because the Jets were uh, were not yeah. classy at the end of that game when the game was already decided. So give, what what were your thoughts and takeaways? From yeah, that the Jets are a game? horribly coached football team. And that's it's not even just Adam Gase. Their defense is incredibly undisciplined. Greg Williams, I think, is a bad defensive coordinator. They made – the Jets made enough mistakes to give the Broncos that game. So – like maybe the thing people aren't talking about is is that storyline. Like the Jets could have won that game if they were more disciplined. Uh, the first field goal the Broncos got was because the Jets committed uh, a couple penalties on the opening drive to keep Denver's drive alive. So they hand them like three points there. Uh, Brett Rippon throws two late game interceptions. One is a pick six. Uh, very close together, those throws. So that looked looks really bad, but I thought he overall he played much better than that, and that's what the Broncos needed was their quarterback to just – the backup quarterback to play decent football, and that's what they got out of him. He actually made some really impressive throws. So if you're trying to spin it, uh, I think maybe he looked better than we expected, uh, although I think Broncos fans were expecting nothing from that game even knowing the Jets were horrible. Uh, And, you know, Sam Darnold ripped off a 46-yard touchdown run on the Jets' opening drive. 
And I was ready to give up right then and there. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to spiral out of control quickly. But (laughs) the Broncos, they're hanging in games. The defense has got reserve guys coming in playing well. Rookies are starting to to figure it out. They're getting production out of offensive players that not a lot of people know. Like Tim Patrick had a huge game at wide receiver – sort of replacing the production of Cortland Sutton. Patrick's been on the team for, I think, three years now, and like local fans love him, but they're just, they're just try- trying to sc- scrap by every week, and they did. I think a- another thing is Garrett Bowles, their left tackles, playing really well this season. Best offensive lineman they have right now. I don't think people expected that. And, yeah, Fangio was just trying to get his team off the field because he thought the players might try to fight each other because the game was getting sloppy and chippy and the Jets uh, were committing a lot of personal fouls and roughing fouls, and it was, looked like it could get out of control, and that's what Fangio was trying to do, I guess. So uh, inter- entertainment-wise, it actually was very watchable. Uh, I'm not saying great football, but there's enough scoring to keep it interested (laughs) and some fiery things happened after the game. So that might've been our Super Bowl for the year. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Do you think think Adam Gase uh, gets fired? What what are your opinions on Adam Gase's job security? Yeah, I, I mean, I would fire him. I don't know if you have to fire him right now. I don't know what point that serves. Uh, but at the end of the season, I think the Jets would be stupid not to move on from him. He hasn't shown any ability to be a good head coach, and he's not in a good situation. If you want to be fair to Gase, like the Jets don't have a lot of players. A lot of the players they do have have been hurt on and off so far this season, but I think you need a different guy in there, and you need a different guy for Sam Darnold than uh, – yeah, because if you don't do that, I think the Jets are just going to continue to be a bad football team. Yeah, I mean they 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 are never good. I mean you they're so bad right now you forget that they made it to back to back AFC Championship games in two thousand and nine and two thousand and ten. That's how bad the Jets are. Last thing, Brandon, then we'll let you go. Steelers and Titans postponed to uh, Week Seven with COVID outbreak with the Titans and Patriots and Chiefs that just broke down about a, a few, about an hour and a half, two hours ago, passing Chiefs postponed to either Tuesday or Monday night due to COVID. Cam Newton got it. And then there's a member of the Chiefs practice squad that got it. Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on uh, essentially these two games? And it looks like COVID doing its damage to the national football league as we head into uh, week. Four. I mean, I think it was, expected that this would happen at some point there's just too many players and personnel people in the nfl so it's not surprising um i think the nfl has to figure out how to probably test even more i I don't like i don't think they were doing daily testing um so i think they have to you know retool their their testing to sort of stop a spread like we're seeing with the titans before it happens but you know a lot of people are saying this is the beginning the nfl is going to be canceled soon like i don't know if the nfl is going to cancel i think they'll just take their 
their hits as they go along and try to figure out how to work around it. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, it affects everybody differently, but, uh, hopefully they, they figure out better processes to, to keep people players safe and stop, you know, these sort of things from happening. And we will kind of see that with the Patriots because the Titans, it's becoming clear that it has spread, but they caught Cam Newton. Did they catch it before it spread to other mm-hmm. players or are more Patriots players going to test positive now? So I think that's what we're going to, I think the Patriots are going to be a better indicator of how quickly this thing can get out of control. Right. Uh, and what do you, th- and do you think, how do, do you think that having this bye week for the Steelers and they're going to have to essentially roll through the schedule. You heard Tomlin say, you know, schedule, it is what it is. We're going to toughen up. We're grown men. We're professionals. We're going to uh, ball right through it. You think Pittsburgh, who, like it or not, has playoff aspirations, you think that Pittsburgh having to play uh, this long stretch of games until from essentially next Sunday to either week 17 or whenever they get eliminated in mid-January. How do you think Pittsburgh is going to handle that? And do you think that it will affect Pittsburgh's playoff chances? Do you think they'll get tired? Do you think that, you know, that they'll run out of gas? What it, What is your opinion on Pittsburgh um, taking I don't think it'll here? hurt them too much. I think they're a well-coached team. I think Mike Tomlin kind of uh, exudes that toughness and confidence and – you know, they'll get by. And I think this this is going to be something that affects every team. So I think the NFL is going to have to adjust its schedule to maybe give teams an extra week off so they do get that by or pushing, you know, extra makeup games after the regular season, which – could push the playoffs back a little bit, the Super Bowl back. I think they're just going to have to be flexible. And I think, you know, the Steelers' schedule is the first one getting affected by it, but I don't think it's going to be the last. So I think every team will kind of be in the same situation by, you know, week 15 or 16 in terms of whether they missed their bye or had to play a makeup game or going to have to play a makeup game. I just say buckle up because we don't know what the heck's going to (laughs) happen. Right, yeah. Perna, glad to Yeah, have no, you thank on, you man. for having me. It was fun talking football on a Saturday morning, and uh, good luck to your Bengals. And good luck to see your you, Bengals. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, see you. Take care. We'll be back with the Amatella like TIS podcast right after this.
Welcome back to the Amateur Like TIS podcast. Special thanks to Brandon Perna. Oh, that's good sports. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram at Brandon Perna and a follow on Twitter. I think at Brandon Perna as well. And be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channels. That's that's good sports and that's good Broncos. I told you that I wanted to uh, get that uh, the 2000 and because today the day I'm recording this. October the 3rd um, is the, what, the f- six-year anniversary of uh, of the famous, at least in Baltimore lore, uh, the famous bases-clearing uh, RBI double hit by former Oriole uh, Delma Young off of Joaquin Soria of the Detroit Tigers back in the 2014 ALDS Game 2. Yours truly was in the building, never will forget it. Was in the seventh grade at the time. Woke up that Friday morning, get ready to go to school, and my mother, for whatever the reason, uh, made pancakes for us for breakfast. And I said, and I said, well, what are we still doing? Like, we going to school or what? And he was like, oh, you don't want to go to the Orioles game today? And I and we we just lost our ever loving minds. We had pancakes for breakfast. Got all dressed up in Orioles gear. Went down to the light rail station at uh, in Towson. No, not in Towson, in Hunt Valley. Took the light rail all the way down there to the ballpark. It was an electric atmosphere, something I will never forget for as long as I live. First ever playoff game of any kind of any sport been to. Um, we sat up in the nosebleed seats back in left field, but quite honestly, to experience a playoff game of, for my beloved Baltimore Orioles, I really, I could have, we could have been sitting on on the, uh, we could have been sitting on top of the warehouse. While I would have cared, it would have, would have been just as good as getting uh, is is seating right down the foul line, uh, you know, on the first level. But I mean, what what a, what a heck of an experience! Something that I will never ever forget for as long as I live um you know it was me it was my it was my parents me my brother and sister we all went to the same school at that time I was I was uh how old was I six years ago I'm 18 now so I was so I was 12 years old my sister was about to turn how old she's three and was about to turn uh nine years old at the time uh, my brother was ten, and it's just I I'll I'll never forget it. And of course, the Orioles had had that huge uh, inning in Game One that put the game away. It was it was a complete landslide in Game One where we absolutely demolished that pitiful uh, Detroit Tigers bullpen, which was a which was abysmal that postseason in the in in the two games that they played at Camden Yards. And of course, the Orioles. Um, then of course in game two it was a close game. Wei Yin Chen was a starting pitcher. I remember Nick Marquez hit a home run. Very close game. Heading into the uh heading into the uh bottom of the eighth inning. Adam Jones, it all got started with an Adam Jones hit by pitch in the eighth inning. Next thing you know, he got an out recorded, bases loaded, Orioles down six to four. Game two of the ALDS, and this is how it sounded, courtesy of the great, the fantastic, the should-be Hall of Fame broadcaster, Joe Angel.
go. Something I will not, uh, and, I, and I know I've said it many a times this segment already, but I will not forget that game, that hit, that moment for as loud as I live. And when I'm, and when I tell you that there were 46, 47,000 fans screaming at the top of their lungs, I mean it. I have never in my life since that game, before or since, heard Royal Park at Camden Yards as loud and as raucous as it was on that day, Friday, October the 3rd, 2014. I haven't heard it loud then and I haven't heard it I haven't heard it as loud before and I haven't heard it as loud since that place was on fire 46 47,000 Orioles fans screaming at the top of their lungs when he hit that double that place went in the pandemonium all you, you heard screaming in the oh 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 I mean I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I still I still got the rally towels with me too. One of them's pinned to my wall. The other two I got uh, st- stashed in the closet somewhere. And I and if you check my Instagram story at the J Shield, I still got the ticket stub from that game too. So. So, something I'll always remember and always cherish for the rest of my life. Dumb and young. And I, I'll tell you this, too. Had the Orioles won a World Series, that would have been a dumb and young statue out there above the bullpens in left center field. Had not it been for Jared Dyson and the Kansas City Royals, who sweeped us in turn the next round. But had we won the whole thing, there would have been a dumb and young statue sitting outside Oreo Park Camden Yards. And that and that's no hyperbole. That is fact. That is fact. You know where you stand with the National Football League? You know it's about that time. Week four picks in the league where they play. The pay. Indianapolis at Chicago. Chicago, or excuse me, Indianapolis is favored in that game, minus two and a half points. I will take Chicago to win that game, 27 to 17. The Saints heading into Detroit. Detroit getting their first win of the season against Arizona. New Orleans looking to get off the schneid. I've lost two straight in a row. New Orleans favorite, minus four. I got New Orleans to win by eight, 28 to 20. Arizona, like I aforementioned, lost their first game of the season to Detroit last week. Their favorite minus three and a half to the Carolina Panthers looking to get off the schneid themselves. I will take Arizona win that game 28 to 17. Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Bengals favored by a field goal. They tied the Eagles last Sunday. Jacksonville got destroyed by Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. Uh, what about 10 12 days ago on their Thursday night game? I will take Cincinnati to win this game, get Joe Burrow his first win 28 to 17. Cleveland Browns at the Dallas Cowboys. Cleveland beat Washington last time out. Dallas lost to the Seahawks last time out. They returned home. Dallas favorite minus four and a half. I will take the Cowboys to win that game 28 to 23. Vikings and Houston. Houston favorite minus three and a half. I'll take Houston to win the game 27 to 24. 
Seahawks at the Dolphins. Seahawks minus six and a half. Dolphins coming off a Thursday night win against the Jaguars. Seahawks tra traveling cross country to Miami. I will take the Seattle Seahawks to win the game 35 to 21. As Russell Wilson continues his MVP campaign in the year 2020. The Chargers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay playing just their, what, they, I think it's their third home game. No, their second home game in three weeks. They return home to play the Chargers. Favorite, minus seven. I will take the Chargers and Brady to win, 28-17. to 17. Pittsburgh and Tennessee is postponed to week seven, so we will skip that. Uh, Baltimore against the Washington Redskins slash football team. Baltimore, of course, got or embarrassed themselves in front of America on Monday night while the Redskins are licking their wounds after, lo after losing to uh, Baltimore's rival Cleveland uh, last time out. Baltimore's favorite minus is the biggest, this the biggest amount of points favored in the game of this week. Baltimore's favorite minus 13. I'll take the Ravens to win and win big, big excuse me, 41 to 17. The Giants. And the Rams. Giants trying to get off the schneid. Rams playing good football even though they lost when they uh, traveled cross country and lost to the Buffalo Bills. I will take the Rams to beat the Giants. Favored minus 12 and a half. I'll take the Rams to win 31 to 17. The Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs is postponed to Monday or Tuesday night. Uh, I've had New England winning the game, but of course, Cam Newton tested positive for Corona. I will pick Kansas City winning the game 28-17 because odds are you got Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer at quarterback for New England. Bills favored by a field goal against the Raiders. I'll take them the win by a field goal in the new stadium 26-23. Philadelphia, San Francisco, the Sunday night game. San Francisco favorite minus seven. I will take Philadelphia to win that game 28-13. And the last game of the night. Atlanta, or excuse me, last game of the, of the week four, I should say. Atlanta versus Green Bay. Green Bay minus seven. Green Bay, undefeated so far this season. Atlanta should be 2-1, but because they love choking leads, they're not. I will take Green Bay to win a Monday Night Football game in front of a crowdless Lambeau field, or in a crowdless Lambeau field, I should say. Favorite minus 7, Green Bay will win that football game 35-2-21. And those are your Week 4 picks in the league where they play 4 Hey, so, and that is your episode of the I'm Taylor like is podcast. Um, special thanks to the great Brandon Perna for coming on. Uh, he didn't have to do, he didn't have to do that. Him raising a new kid and everything, but I appreciate the fact that he uh, that he stopped by the program. Be sure to give him a follow on social and a uh and subscribe to him on youtube he does uh he in case you don't know who he is he's a youtuber that does a lot of his uh, material 
on everything that's going on in the National Football League. He uploads uh, he uploads Sunday through Friday. In case you want to know his schedule with that, um, if you're new to the program, be sure to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at Amatel underscore, or excuse me, follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T I is. Follow the show on Instagram as well. At, let me make sure I get it right for you this time. But while I try to find it, have a safe weekend, everybody. Stay safe, be healthy. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast. It's your boy Josh Shields. Talk to you next week. See ya. Y'all take care.